Shameless Picture Show is part of the Cinepunks Network. If you like the Shameless Picture Show and you want to hear other great shows like it, make sure you check out the Cinepunks Network. You can find them at www.cinepunks.com. That's C-I-N-E-P-U-N-X. There's other great shows such as Cinepunks. There's the Carnage Report, Cinema Smorgasbord, Fat Girl Hacks, Loud Fast Philly, Tomb of Ideas, and Twitch of the Death Nerve, and so much more. If you like punk rock and you like movies, make sure to go to www.cinepunks.com. And let's not forget the sponsors for the Cinepunks Network. We have the Lehigh Valley Apparel Creations. They are the premier screen printer of the Lehigh Valley with service to the whole country, professional and personable in a way that only a DIY business can be. They also have ridiculously low prices for whatever your screen printing needs may be. You can visit them online at xlvacx.com. That's xlvacx.com. Lehigh Valley Apparel Creations. We also have the Essex Coffee Roasters. They're, all their coffee is roasted to order. They have high-quality beans, bunch of apparel, and tea available. They are bringing high-quality coffee to the masses without the pretentiousness. Use the code CINEPUNKS for 10% off your first order. You can visit them at www.essexcoffeeroasters.com. That's E-S-S-E-X, coffeeroasters.com. Once again, use the code CINEPUNKS for 10% off your first order. Big shout out to the band Crossed Keys uh, for lending us that awesome fucking music during our little ad. That song is called Who We Never Were. You can buy that single currently off of Bandcamp. The band is called Crossed Keys. It will be on their full-length album, Believes in You. Uh, that song was lent to me by Crossed Keys, specifically, uh, I don't know if he goes by Joey Angel or goes by Joshua Alvarez, but I met him as Joshua Alvarez. He's the co-host of Cinepunks, our fucking network. And I told him, I love this song, I want to use it, so that way people don't have to just listen to me talk. And he said, fuck yeah. So please, if you like the song, uh, the song is called Who We Never Were. You can get that on Bandcamp currently. Uh, it's off of their album Believes in You. You can get the 10 song. The 10 song LP is out May 5th, Friday, May 5th. Uh, you can actually order it on vinyl right now. So go show them some love. This episode is also brought to you by Paramount Pictures. Paramount Pictures is a legendary producer and global distributor of filmed entertainment since 1912. Paramount Pictures Library consists of more than 1,000 film titles with rights to an additional 2,500, featuring films by Hollywood's most respected filmmakers, including Martin Scorsese, J.J. Abrams, and Michael Bay, among others. Paramount Pictures Library consists of more than 1,000 films, including such classics as Star Trek, Godfather, and Indiana Jones franchises. Academy Award winners Braveheart, Forrest Gump, and Titanic, and current favorites such as The Mission Impossible and Transformers franchises. Paramount Pictures distributes its titles on DVD and Blu-ray through Paramount Home Entertainment. We are happy to have them. We fucking love Paramount Pictures. podcast actually discusses movies. Be aware that it may discuss any of the following elements. Endings, surprise twists, unexpected cameos, and all manner of spoilers. If this doesn't appeal to you, why listen to a movie podcast? Without further ado, please enjoy our feature presentation, The Shameless Picture Show. 
Hello and welcome to another episode of the Shameless Picture Show. I am your host, Michael Byers, and joining me this week is a good friend of mine and a friend of the show. My guest today is a cinema lover like myself and an enthusiastic host of the Frightmares podcast. My co-host today in the red corner is standing at a whopping six foot five. <laughs> And we have Austin, the Doc Proctor. Oh, that was a delightful intro. I love it. Well, you, well, you wrote it, so. <laughs> Don't tell everybody that. Sh- <laughs> I know you love your intros, so I was like, I have a funny one oh. here. Let me just see if uh, see if this fits it- your fancy. That was a good one. Because normally I try to go with a quote from the movie, but like so many of the quotes in this movie were so dour. Yeah. <laughs> wasn't a very cheery film, you know? Um <laughs> I was promised a musical, goddammit. Yeah. So, yeah, I can understand, because usually there's some bit of dialogue you can use, but this was a very serious-toned yeah. movie, so. Yeah. Yeah. So, Austin, how have you been, man? I feel like we talk a lot, but we haven't, like, caught up in a while. Does, does that make sense? Yeah. No, no, no. That makes sense. Life's just been a blur ever since uh, the wife's been pregnant. It's, uh, you know, visits and doctors and drawing blood, and then we've got PT on top of that from the accident in January. So it's just, you know, it's been a lot. But no, I'm doing good. Today's been a good day. Uh, I feel like I've got, like, the best sleep I've ever gotten in forever. Um, and then I picked up some movies at Best Buy today. They had two that I didn't even know. I wasn't even looking for one of them, so... Is there going to be a video for this? Uh, yeah, I'm going to do my new release Tuesday tonight, so... Yeah, but it's, it's yeah. Been pretty good. And then I got another one in the mail today. So, you know, good mail day, doing a podcast yeah. tonight. It's been a pretty sweet day. Yeah, <laughs> I had a mail day the other day. Usually what I do, my mail days are a bit of a cheat for anyone who watches my TikTok. Here's a little inside baseball for you. <laughs> um, I usually try to, like, unless I know something, I'm nothing else is coming for a while, I usually try to wait a couple of days so I have at least a couple items. Yeah, right? It's always better to have a couple to review than just one. So I totally, I totally Or one big one. Yeah. Like like Martin, for example, like that's a video in itself. Oh yeah, did There's you get the fancy the fancy version that they did from uh, what was it Second Sight? Yeah. Oh my God, I got her yeah. big fucking boxes. <laughs> you and your big yeah. boxes. <laughs> I love them. I love them for one movie. And that was one of my that's favorite a... part of your TikToks you did a while back. It was like big fucking boxes. I was like, yeah. Well, it, I originally shot it just for you, just because I was bored. And then you're like, you have to post this. I'm like, okay, do it. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that was a video you sent to me. I was like, dude, I just made that for is, you because I thought it was this funny. is TikTok worthy. You got to do it. Oh, yeah. Good times, man. Big boxes. I still haven't even seen Martin. I've been wanting to see it, but I know. Is there a less expensive version of the one that you have? Is there one that's like just? Um, I believe so. Let me double check. I was going to say. But no, I've not seen it either. Um, I hear it's great. I mean, I hear it's a fantastic movie. My wife took a... um, What is it? What's the word I'm looking for? Took a film class back when she was still in college. And she took a horror movie film class. And most of the movies I had seen, however, I was really impressed by this professor because he was pulling out shit that, like, some things I'd never even heard of. Like, like one of them was, like, a, a very strange, like, Mexican witch film that can there are no legal copies of and, except for, like, at the UWM library oh, and stuff. Oh, okay. And then, like, and I think he showed his own personal copy of Martin. Oh. And I was like, oh, shit, there's a couple fi- movies that you've seen that I haven't. But then there was one. There's one that I really want to see, and I haven't had a chance to see yet. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God, I feel like my shameless is just always growing. You know, it's like it's like I find out about something new, and I have to put it on there, and I'm like, damn it, 
But this was on there yep. for me. I don't know. I, I'm pretty sure you hadn't. Was this a first time watch for you? On... Yes. Th- this oh. was one that I intentionally put on. I bought the Criterion 4K when it came okay. out and with the intention of watching it. And you know how oh. it is. Sometimes it's like you buy something you're really excited about. And then you're like, ooh, look at this over here. Yeah, I have a whole row on, on my horror movie rack here. An entire row of stuff I've bought and haven't watched yet. It's it's tragic. My goal for this year is to get through that rack so I can say I've watched every movie that I own. <laughs> Honestly, that's a, that's, a, that's a great goal. By yeah. the way, not to cut off our conversation, oh, no. uh, but there is... So there's three versions of Marvel. Oh. There's the big fucking insane one that I got that's like... You can get it right now off a Diabolic DVD. They're like, it's $51, the big one that I got. That's not bad. There's a standard, just regular all-region 4K for 30 Okay. And then you can get you have to have a region-free player, but you can get the Blu-ray, which is region B, for 20 Okay, so I, I'll probably look into the mid-range, mid-range option because yeah. I don't have a uh, don't have a region-free player yet. It's one thing I still need to get. Well, my wife got me one for my birthday one year, Ooh, and it's nice. great. I love it. Um, but it, around that time, so many things weren't being released in this like over here. Um, but then, like shortly after I got it, so many things started getting a U.S. release. Yeah, that that has been. So it's like the second you get it to to use it, it's like oh, everything's just getting released over here. Yeah, Thus far, <laughs> though, I think I've got like. Two movie? No, I've got maybe a couple more than two. But like the the originally I bought like I one of the first things I wanted to get was uh, Dave Lynch's Fire Walk with me because before Criterion put it out, you couldn't really get that movie on Blu-ray oh, wow. in this country. Uh, now it's pretty available. But then like the I think the one movie that I have that does not have a Blu-ray release anywhere else in the world. Oh no, that does not have a Blu-ray release in the in the uh, United States of America. Super Mario Brothers. Oh wow! <laughs> I'm surprised no one's jumped on it. At least for just like the, the like I don't know if if Arrow can do like a big special edition of Mallrats, which I love, but you know they they've done multiple releases of Mallrats, but no one's done Super Mario Brothers. That really seems like a Scream Factory. I mean, they put out I mean they put out Garbage Pale Kids. I mean that movie's pretty yeah. atrocious. Maybe uh, like Shout Select. Yeah, Shout Select. I feel like that would be a Shout Factory. Maybe a Vinegar Syndrome, you know. But uh, yeah, I'm so- I can definitely see Vinegar Syndrome doing like a very limited run of Super <laughs> Mario Brothers for like Black Friday. Say, like I can see them doing. Yeah, that. Um, that's interesting. I didn't know that they didn't have a, a Blu-ray. A Blu-ray. I mean, it's probably because it didn't do very well. I assume so. They just no one wanted to do a Blu-ray for it. Yeah. Well, Mallrats didn't do well upon release, but look at oh, that. Oh, true. Hmm. All right, it's time to email Scream Factory. <laughs> yeah, let's, let, let's be real. I will rebuy that movie. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, well, speaking of that, did you see the new uh, animated one, Super Mario Brothers? I did. did you? I loved it. I loved it, too. I, was... I had a huge smile on my face the entire time. Yeah. It was like, okay, I shouldn't say it was everything I wanted from a Super Mario Brothers movie, because everything I wanted from a Super Mario Brothers movie I got back in 1993. <laughs> but... If I'm gonna get everything, every it was everything I wanted from a Super Mario Brothers movie that's made today. Yeah, uh, meaning you know that it has a lot more lore to pull from, a lot more video games to pull from. You know, back in '93 there had been like maybe a handful of Mario games. Like now they have so oh, much to pull yeah. from. And... They pulled from Smash Brothers. They pulled from Mario Kart. They pulled from so many games. It was really cool. I really enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I would. I figured it would be fun, but. 
Yeah, yeah. I, I went in expecting just to have it like. Uh, like a good turn off my brain right. have a good time movie but it turned out just to be a good movie and it was only like 90 minutes so you're in and out they didn't overstay it's welcome breeze. yeah breeze in yep. and out yeah that was a fun i'm not one. a big chris pratt fan but he didn't he, he was fine it didn't bother me uh, yeah i really i no. really thought i'd be like uh but no it i was fine with it and charlie day's luigi uh, was everything bowser or jack black as bowser <laughs> is just kind of perfect casting <laughs> and then <laughs> Me and my wife are just who are big Seth Rogen fans. We're just cackling mm. the entire time. Him as Donkey Kong was good. Uh, Jack Black's song as Bowser. Uh, Peaches yes. was the funniest thing I've seen in a kid's movie. It apparently cracked the Billboard Top 100. <laughs> and it can and it can be nominated for like Best Original Song at the Oscars. Like it has it has that. Be- God, can you imagine? <laughs> I don't even care if it wins. I just want it to get nominated just so we can get that performance. Yeah, just nominated. That's fine. I don't care it's if just it Jack wins. Jack Black at a piano dressed as Bowser <laughs> with really dramatic lighting. Like, yeah. yeah I would kill to see that. I would tune in for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, uh, th- that's what you're gonna do to get the uh, to get the ratings up. Get Jack, <laughs> get Jack Black back there. Uh, it, it'll be it'll be an apology for not nominating him for King Kong. Yeah, for what? Oh, from back in like 2005. Yeah, yeah. he deserved it for that movie. He was great yeah. in that. Movie. I, I'm one of the few people that really does enjoy that movie. I mean, more so when they're on the island. But you know, I I still enjoy it for what it is. I have a good time with that one. Oh, Jack Black. It was it wasn't a great line in the original movie, but Jack Black makes. It was beauty that killed the beast. A lot more palpable. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a good line. It's not great. Like, it's kind of a great line, but also really terrible. At the same time, yeah. Yeah, It's yeah. a little bit of both. Like, some of column A, When they wrote it, like, back in 1932 and they wrote it, that was a fucking killer line. It's like, oh, shit. <laughs> we're never going to do better than this. And they were right. Yeah, they were right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, you should definitely pick up Martin. Um, All right. That's uh, I've not watched it yet, but I I don't know. I've been I've been on a kick of rediscovering Romero. Oh, okay. Um just like, you know, everyone knows the zombie movies he's made are are are, are, are iconic. Uh and even like I love Land of the Dead. Like I know it's not one of his best, but oh, like I still love yeah, it. Yeah, I like that one. But like I've I've been having a lot of ever since it started back when I did Night Riders on this podcast, mm. actually. Uh, but then since then, like when the pandemic began, I saw, I watched the crazies for the first time, which was not a smart choice <laughs> when the world was falling no, apart around me. No, definitely and... not. Definitely not. Uh, and I just like, he's one of those, he, he's, he's, a, he's, I feel like one of the most talked about horror filmmakers who still doesn't get the respect he deserves outside of his zombie films. Yeah. Cause I mean, he's done other things, plenty of other things, Yeah, but he does really yeah, seem to get recognized mainly for, you know. All the zombie. I mean, but he is like a pioneer in that genre. So you know, he did a lot of stuff with that genre. Yeah, but like I've just I've had a good time just kind of like rediscovering his work and, um, yeah, that's been that. And like I've I haven't been like and there's a filmmaker I like and I want to like discover more of. I don't like to just like binge through a bunch of their movies at one time because I feel like I can then start to. Um, not focus on them as well. Does that make sense? Like, um, if you like, I like having things to look forward to. Yeah, if you kind of do overdo it or like oversaturate yourself with one thing, everything kind of tends to like yeah. bleed together. Like that's at least for me. Yeah. So, yeah. so, so like yeah. I, it's like whenever you like looked at my, if anyone looks at my like letterbox, like most watched directors list, it's not usually more than like two or three, <laughs> maybe four, just because I don't. I don't like go on binges of watching the same director unless it's like animated films. That's like, um, like shorts and stuff. Yeah. Um, 
but like I also like having things to look forward to. Like to this day, I've still not seen, even though he's my favorite filmmaker, I've not watched every John Carpenter movie because I still want new ones to like look forward to. There's still a couple I haven't seen. There's a few, uh, very select few, because he's one of my favorites, and I'm usually watching at least one or two or three or four of his movies a year. But uh, yeah, one from Romero that I'm really a f- uh, fan of is Creep Show, and it's actually getting a uh, 4K from Screen Factory too, which is nice. Is it? Yeah. So this. Someone's at the entryway door. <laughs> Whoa. Who's apparently? Who's yelling at me? <laughs> yeah, apparently my Google will tell me if there is um... intruder. Intruder. Oh, Amanda must be setting up her new her new doorbell. <laughs> I didn't realize it was connected to Google. Oh, you're fine. I heard the doorbell. I was like, oh, someone's probably just at the door. I thought that was on your end. It's like, man, that sounded like it was in the room with no. me. Nope, my doorbell's off. Um, um, this is going to be an unpopular opinion. Oh, hit me with it. Uh, and then we could talk about... Uh, and then we can either talk about your opinions on uh, Roger Ebert here, or we could talk about it later on. But... Okay. Uh, unpopular opinion. I don't love Creepshow. Oh, okay. Uh, every uh, so I've watched a couple times, and I I don't dislike the movie. I should specify that. Yeah. Uh, but every time I've watched it, I've liked just a tiny bit less. Oh no! Is there any particular reason why? It's too long. Yeah, it is. It like... feels its length. <laughs> like I feel like you can cut out one section of that film. And it'll be a lot tighter because like each section itself is quite long. Yeah, it's about I think they're about thirty um, minutes a piece. And this is sometimes my problem with anthologies to get the the timing right. Mm-hmm. You know, like sometimes they're too long, sometimes they're too short. Um, that creep show clocks in right like just just at right around two hours, maybe just a little yeah. bit over. And it's like that's a that's long for. It it just feels its length. Like, because the first couple sections, like, oh, I'm really into this. I like this. And then by the time the third one comes around, I'm like, okay, this this is great. And then another one happens. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> and then I think one more happens after that. And then the rapper, I'm like, okay, there's just too many. Yeah, five, <laughs> five is a lot. I mean, VHS has, like, usually four or five or six. But they're, like, no more than an hour 42. Uh, so, yeah, two hours for an anthology is definitely a long time. Um, I don't know. I just I'm a sucker for them, so I, I'm I'm usually I usually give them more credit too because I love anthologies. Uh, no, really, no matter the length. I mean, if you're gonna be pushing like two and a half hours, maybe not. But I think two hours yeah. is about my limit for for anthologies, and that's exactly two hours. So, Creep Show um, has five sections and a wraparound. Okay, yeah. granted the wraparound's not very long. Yeah, but it, you know, like I think four could have. Yeah, the movie's an hour and fifty-seven minutes. So just for me, for me, tad, you know, tad long. You thinking, thinking like an editor? It's like, oh, I could have trimmed some of this. Probably, yeah. But <laughs> it's, not, it's not to say that I don't like the movie. It just it hasn't stuck with me. Okay. So before we transition into the movie, yes, you had talked about your your dislike for film critics. Is it oh. weird, considering you are kind of a film critic? Yeah, I just know that... I, I guess I have a distaste for them, just because I just always feel like they're looking for the bad in things as to where I'm typically looking for the good in things. Uh, I try Even if I hate a movie, I try to find at least one thing I liked, and I just feel like... Yeah. I just feel... I, I mean, obviously, critics are there to be critical. You know, I totally get it. 
Um, but I don't know. I just feel like they just seem to focus more on negatives than like, you know, talking more about what's wrong with it as opposed to like, oh, this is what's good about it. That's just my opinion. And I know I have very unconventional opinions when it comes to movies. Um, so I'm far from being a, a critic, but, um, but yeah, I don't know. I just, I just, I like talking about the good stuff in movies. So that's what I'm going to focus on with Raging Bull today. Of, of all the stuff I didn't like, I'd, I'd rather talk about what I did like. At the same time, I'd also don't want you to feel like you have to stifle yourself. Oh, no, 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 no. Um, I'll tell you. But, I'll tell you what I didn't like. I'm just going to uh, focus on the good. I, I agree. But it's one of those things, like, I used to have a really strong dislike for film critics uh, myself. And, and I just think it came down to, like... Why don't they like what I like? But then I, I got to a certain point where I realized I don't necessarily always want people to like what I like. That's and true. And I, I have found joy—maybe not joy—but like I've found, I've found I've been able to appreciate the job of the film critic more, um, especially when there is things they don't. Because sometimes they'll they'll bring things to my attention. It's like, oh shit, I never considered that. Right. Um, and we're, I was specifically speaking about Roger Ebert. He is a film. He is a film critic that I I have a lot of respect for, even though I don't always agree. But I I what I find amusing so so amusing about him is one, I um he has two he has two sides. There's two sides of the coin that is Roger Ebert that I really appreciate, and I appreciate them both for very wildly different reasons. Okay, you get the side of Roger Ebert where he is a a very eloquent and well spoken, well written person that can really digging deep about why he did or sometimes did not like a movie right but then you also get troll rob roger ebert and that in itself is phenomenal in its own way yeah <laughs> like i still i will never forget his review for vincent gallo's movie the brown bunny and um he, he gave it a scathing review he hated it and vincent gallo took it personally and vincent gallo was like yeah uh you may have hated my movie, but at least I'm not like a fat ass or some shit. Like that. You know, it's just a low brow thing. Burn. And uh, Roger Ebert goes, "I can lose weight, but you will always be the director of the Brown Bunny." That is, that's a fact. That's pretty. That's <laughs> a it's pretty like, sick burn right there. So sometimes, like, I just like I like that he will. He's got two sides of that coin. Yeah. And and back when he was alive, you never knew what side you were gonna get. Oh, I did not know he was. Uh, I did not know he passed away. Oh yeah, he passed away. Um, oh wow! Quite a while ago, I want to say like maybe jeez. eight to ten years ago. Oh jeez, wow! There's a if you're interested, there's a really incredible documentary uh, okay. about him. I mean, I don't okay. remember the exact title. Give me one second. Ebert. Oh, uh, one thing about him too, though, is it always drove. Oh, me it's to... called Life Itself. Life Itself. Okay, yeah, I'd watch that. Uh, but what was with this rating system out of four stars? I, get out of here with that. <laughs> I don't understand the four-star ratings. I feel like Leonard Malton, who is one of my favorite critics as well, yeah. uses that. And I don't get, I, I can't I don't wrap my it. mind around it. Yeah, it's like five or ten. So doing four it completely just melts my brain. Well, Joe Bob Briggs does four all the time. And I'm yeah. always just trying to like, how can I equate this to a five-star system? I can't. Because like, when like, he would be like, Joe Bob gives it four stars. And I'm like... Okay. Oh, that's the best you got. So, yeah. like, I'm trying to, like, okay, for me, that would be blank. and Yeah, like, uh, I, I couldn't even try to do the math on that. So it drives me crazy because I got to do five. Because at least IMDb is ten, and I can translate, you know, five to ten. That's no problem. But four, I'm like, I don't know. I, I can't work with this. Get out of here you know, with that. There's a, <laughs> um, a um, I don't know if you have ever followed pro wrestling, but there's a guy named Dave Meltzer who, who writes about pro wrestling. 
and he's got a five star system for rating for rating professional wrestling matches. Um, what stresses me out about his system? One, he breaks his own system. So he's given like he's a, it's a five star system. He's given like three matches seven stars. Okay, hold on, back um, it up. And then what'll be really difficult? He'll he'll I don't I don't can't figure out how his brain works because he'd be like, oh, this match is two and three fourths mm. of a star. I'm like, like no, what's the three like? Because like half stars could be like, oh, you're almost this, right? But like three fourths of a star, like, no. What is that? See, even even your dog has something to say about it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna warn everyone listening right now. You might hear some sounds. You obviously my Google Home's been going off. <laughs> the dogs will probably get Amanda might be uh she just bought a wood chipper, so she might be chipping some woods. Oh shit, okay. Who knows? Who knows what's gonna happen <laughs> on this no episode idea. of the shameless picture <laughs> show. So do you wanna do you wanna talk about the movie? Oh yeah. I've got uh where'd my phone go? Got my notes here. On today's episode of the Shameless Picture Show, we're delving even deeper into what's becoming one of my favorite subgenres of film, the boxing movie. And we're I'm finally scratching Raging Bull off my shame list. Jake LaMotta is a powerhouse in the middleweight division of professional boxing. When we first meet Jake, he's lost his first fight but he feels he should be a contender for the middleweight title despite the loss. Jake's brother Joey feels Jake is ready for the big time and realizes that fewer opponents want to fight him because of his clubber-like style. Jake wants to earn his title shot, but the mafia is tied up in the boxing world so tightly that Jake doesn't know if he can do it without their help. On top of all of this, Jake has issues with anger and jealousy. He doesn't trust his young, beautiful wife and cracks anyone who even looks at her. Jake LaMotta is a tough, unsympathetic person, but he's the story we follow. Story goes that Martin Scorsese originally had no interest in developing Raging Bull into a film, but found himself really relating to the character of Lomada and his passion for boxing. While Scorsese himself was never a fan of sports and found boxing to be particularly boring, he found Raging Bull at the lowest point in his life and was able to find parallels between boxing and filmmaking. Mm. Upon release, Raging Bull was not a box office smash, and Scorsese worried about the future of his career, and the critics were mixed on the film. It was ultimately met with praise relating the film to that of a train wreck. Hard to watch, yet captivating. Raging Bull would go on to be nominated for eight Academy Awards, two of which it won for Best Performance for Robert De Niro and Best Editing for Scorsese regular Thelma Schoonmacher. The film would go on to be considered a classic of filmmaking, and many considered to be the film... The film to be Scorsese's masterpiece, and the film has topped multiple best of lists such as AFI, Sight and Sound, and the New York Times. However, actually, I think this might, movie might have just made it off the Sight and Sound list this year, but it was on previous ones, so who cares? <laughs> Raging Bull was written by Paul Schrader and Marduk Martin, based on Jake LaMotta's autobiography with cinematography from Michael Chapman and editing by Thelma Schoonmonker. Fun fact about Michael Chapman, he is the husband of the director of Slumber Party Massacre. The film stars Robert De Niro, Joe Pesci, Frank Vincent, and Kathy Moriarty as Vicky LaMotta. From 1980. This is Raging Bull. What do you want? You're not but a fat pig, selfish fool! Jake, he's embarrassing me with people. What is it with him? Why does he have to make it so hard on himself? No matter how big I get, no matter who I fight, no matter what I do, I ain't never gonna fight Joe Lewis. Yeah, that's right. He's a heavyweight, you're a middleweight. We know that. 
ain't never gonna get a chance to fight the best there is. And you know something? I'm better than them. The man's got a head of rock. It's just that uh, when he gets something on his mind, you know, he's got a hard head, he likes to do things his own way. He's gonna do what he wants to do, he wants to make it on his own, you know? He thinks he can make it on his own. Make it on his own. He thinks he's gonna walk in there and become champion on his own. And he's got no respect for nobody. He doesn't listen to nobody. That's not crazy. I'm tired of having to turn around and have both use up my ass all the time. He's just been a contender to war. He'll be all right as soon as he gets his shot. Jake, there's never going to be chance. Too many people hate him. He's going to get a shot at that title, not without us, he ain't. theatrical release for the film that was a fantastic like fantastic trailer <laughs> it honestly. was uh seeing that after having watching the movie that is like very well done like they didn't give too much away uh yeah that was it, a it's, solid it's my favorite trailer. type of trailer where it's like almost like a tone poem where it gives you you can watch it and know everything you have to know about the movie without really knowing exactly what it's about. Like you don't know right. the entire story. Uh, it gives you an idea of tone. It gives you an idea of visuals, and that's all I want. Like I don't really watch trailers. I'll sometimes watch like thirty seconds of a trailer or something just to get an idea of how the movie looks and kind of get yeah. an idea of what their tone is. But um, if more trailers are like that, where it's just like, just give me the bare minimum. Yeah, that was like what forty-five seconds, maybe a minute. Like that was a minute. 40 minute 52 almost two oh minutes. wow that didn't even feel see that didn't even feel like it's that short to, yeah <laughs> that, that didn't even feel like two minutes so yeah it's the problem with uh some places i have like netflix they have like four minute trailers i'm like guys just give me the meat and potatoes and call it a day that was a perfectly executed trailer um, it's it's yeah. funny so i before we talk about the film i noticed that about trailer lengths since um i stopped doing it just because it became a lot of work but i used to put the trailer for whatever movie i was discussing on tiktok mm. uh plus i got sick of i always i was always wondering in the back of my mind if that was hurting my reach because of um using other people's content yeah i don't know if it was but i convinced myself it was so i stopped doing it um and it would be if i was talking about a newer movie i'd be like three four minute trailer yeah easy but then uh because what i used to do is i used to play the trailer and i used to time um i used to time me reading the uh my reviews to the length of the trailer oh jeez. three four minute trailer easy yeah but what i used to run into um is a lot of movies you get like from vinegar syndrome and whatnot like a minute and two it has like a minute two worth of like trailer. <laughs> That's it. Maybe two minutes if you're lucky. But oh fuck, I don't got a lot of time. <laughs> yeah, got to speed read this. <laughs> yeah, and so many older movies just had shorter trailers. So interesting. Yeah, no, that was a great trailer for. Uh, I like that. I watched that after seeing the movie. Yeah, that's yeah. actually what I like to do is I like to, yeah. after I've watched the movie, I'll go through like, especially if a disc has a trailers and stuff Then I'll go through. I'm going to start like, doing how that. How did you, how did you advertise this movie to us now that I've seen it? Right. How was it? How was it portrayed to the public before anybody saw it? Yeah. I like that. That's cool. Yeah. That's so cool. So this is a, this is a Raging Bull. First time watch for you, correct? 
First time watch, uh, I was going to buy the four uh, the four K, but I was like, okay, let me not spend forty dollars on a movie that I'm not sure if I even like yet. So it luckily was streaming on HBO Max, so mm-hmm. that is where I watched it. Um, but yeah, first time watch, and I. Th- so here's my little thing that I told you about before we get into it. So I had no idea, and I'm like an hour and twenty minutes into this movie at this point. No idea that this was a biopic. That this was about a real person. So I'm sitting here watching the movie like, I don't like anybody in this movie. Everyone's just being a shithead to each other. And then me and, me, me and Gabby went on a walk and she was like, oh, yeah, it's a, it's about some guy. I was, so I was looking it up. I was like, oh, Jake, it's about Jake Lamato. Um, she's like, yeah, it's a biopic. I'm like, well, that changes everything about this movie. Because now I know that De Niro is playing someone else. Because I thought he was just being a dick. I was like, I don't like De Niro in this. But it completely yeah. changed everything, and I was like, oh, he's giving a great performance, actually. So yeah. my it's, opinion it, was flipped on it, a switch. <laughs> it's interesting, because like Scorsese's talked about that, too. He's like, you know, he's like, movies like this are some of his favorite, where you are forced to spend time with a person you don't like. Mm-hmm. And can you sit there and watch the movie and, you know sympathize with them or sympathize with the story can you can you relate to it um and it's also interesting too so the story behind this movie is that robert de niro he approached scorsese about making him okay de niro while making godfather 2 just had a copy of the raging bull book with him and was reading it constantly and just found himself gravitating towards it not because because he liked you know jake lamada as a person he liked the character he thought this would be a good character to play um and he even said, it's like, you know, this book is not very well written, but there's something here. And as I said in my intro, this came at a very low point for Scorsese. Scorsese was like practically dying from cocaine addiction. Oh, God. He was like in the hospital. Like, I think I think after an overdose and was like getting like a blood transfusion or some shit, practically dying. Oh thought, you know, his career was over. Um, did not expect to get better. He, he has said that he thought this was going to be his last movie. Not wow. because he wasn't going to make another one, just because he didn't think he was going to live long enough. Oh. Um, so that shows how bad that cocaine addiction was. Whoa. Um, which also explains why he talks so fast. <laughs> <laughs> he does um, talk quick. Um, but De Niro pretty much just like threw the book at him and said, we're going to make this. Let's do this. And Desi um, kind of just emptied himself like put him everything he had into making the movie because he just he he's like well it's something and you know what's maybe this will help me get get clean or whatever yeah um and like i said he had originally had no interest in doing it because he didn't it's funny that a guy who does not like boxing made arguably one of the best boxing films of all time yeah <laughs> um but found something to relate to hmm. um and it's kind of interesting if you think about like this movie is a boxing movie, but it doesn't focus that on like boxing's a huge part of it. But we never really it's not like Rocky where we see him training and getting ready for the fight. It's like Jake takes everything that's going on in his personal life and takes it to the ring. Yeah, or or he'll just be using Joey as a punching bag because there's Fuck. a couple there's a couple times where he's just wailing on his brother. I'm like, dude, you're a professional boxer. Maybe you don't give your brother haymakers, man. <laughs> <laughs> So, what did you think about the movie? I know you kind of you've kind of hinted at a little bit how you thought. So, overall, as a film, uh, like I said, until I knew it was a biopic, I just really wasn't into it. 
like I said, I didn't really find anybody I could connect with or any characters that were redeemable. Because, you know, even Vicky, you know, I'm just like, why are you still with this guy? So it's like I can't even feel for her if she's not going to get up and just walk out of the situation. I mean, obviously, we know eventually that happens. But um, so, yeah, I was just kind of like, I don't know. But then when she told me it's a biopic, it's like, OK, now I have to completely look at this movie with a new lens. Like De Niro is playing someone. All these people are playing real people, or at least I assume based off of real people. So it kind of changed the tone immediately for me. And I started to appreciate it. But I was only I only had about 35 minutes left. So there was really only about 35 minutes of movie that I genuinely appreciated because of what I found out halfway through. So I really need to actually rewatch this knowing it's a biopic and see if it changes. Cause right now I enjoyed it for what it was. I don't think it's a necessarily a masterpiece, but I do think it's very well done, very well acted. Um, so I did by the end of it, wind up enjoying it. I just <laughs> definitely need to rewatch knowing that it's a biopic about a real person who uh, I'm, existed. I'm curious if you're, opinion on it will go up the second time because like i i actually really liked it the first time okay uh but it is one of those movies that like i feel like i can end up loving it after if i see it again if that makes sense uh so i really liked raging bull and i don't know if i'm quite ready to put it on the level of masterpiece yet but i can see maybe down the line because like there's just so many interesting elements to to this movie as i said in my intro like Jake LaMotta is not a good person. He is a piece of shit. And he is the character that we are following. That being said, I was riveted the entire time. I didn't constantly, I didn't know what I wanted to happen. I didn't know if I wanted him to get his just desserts. I didn't know if I wanted him to come out on top. I didn't know if I wanted him to wind up drunk in a fucking alleyway. I didn't know what I wanted out of him. Right. But I was just enjoying the ride and not knowing quite where it was going. I kind of had an idea because I've seen enough boxing movies to kind of get an idea of where it might be going. Um, I didn't see him becoming a stand-up comedian, that's for fucking sure. <laughs> I was, that's in my notes. I'm like, wait, did, did he really transition into stand-up comedian? It's like, what's going on here? He owns his own bar called Jack or what is Jake it? Jake, Lamont. Jake Lamont like that oh. was one of the best like visual jokes in the. Come on, yeah. guess the name. Guess the name. Bing, Come bing. on, guess the name. Bright lights. The Jake Lamont's. It's like Back to the Future too. It's like Biff's Tower or whatever. You're like yeah. nailed the name, guys. All you Fuck needed yeah. to use. <laughs> so yeah, the we sta- had four the guys coming up with names, and that was the best we came that up. Was with. the best one we came up with. Yeah, uh, and it was actually pretty funny the first time. The second time he did the stand-up, it wasn't too great because he was, uh, you know, the crowd was heckling him. But the first time he was doing it, I was laughing. I was like, this is actually pretty funny. It was not too bad. And so I I, I found myself really respecting. One, is that it's like a master class in editing and, and filmmaking. And just like the way, like I said, for someone who does not find interest in sports and boxing... Scorsese found a way to shoot it in such a way that if I didn't know better, I would have assumed he was a huge boxing fan because he yeah. was able to find the the beauty in it and the poetry in it and just the way that like said Thelma Schoenmacher uh, cut this stuff. Like we studied this movie, we studied scenes from this movie in school before I ever saw it. Oh wow! So like just cold, like just sit down and watch the scene and talk about like the editing and how does it convey tone and what is it doing? And yeah, I'll say that the uh, boxing scenes were, they were edited very well. Like I, that, I really enjoyed every single boxing match they had on screen, especially towards the end. Cause it gets a little bit more brutal. 
they were shot very well. Like I was yeah. impressed. <laughs> I was like, damn, this is pretty, uh, like pretty, pretty awesome. <laughs> very also, cinematic. Like, I found myself really just appreciating. It's it's crazy. So it's it's a pretty high energy, chaotic film. Anytime we're in the ring. Oh yeah. But then anytime we're outside of the ring, it's kind of a quiet relatively small movie and i found myself really enjoying the the juxtaposition between those two worlds and just like you know when things were good when before they all went to complete shit you know just like granted any anything bad that happens in this movie is all completely fucking jake's fault but like there's a scene (laughs) at one point where him and his brother joey are just sitting there eating chicken together and it's like you guys are having a good day you guys are having a good afternoon yeah. Oh, yeah. They were just sitting there having a conversation. Because uh, wasn't he? Wasn't that the time he was like really starting to get suspicious of Vicky? And he's like, "What's she doing? I know she's doing something." He was very, very suspicious well, of I, Vicky. Some of it probably comes down to his own insecurities because yeah. he knows that's how he met Vicky. That's true. Well, so did they ever? The the girl in the very beginning. I think her name was Jackie. The very first girl that he was with. That was his wife. Yeah, so she just, they just never really explain, unless I missed it. They don't. Uh, it was never really explained. Yeah, um, it's just like he's just with Vicky now. <laughs> yeah, I think her name was, her name is actually Irma. <laughs> oh, Arthur, she could have sworn I heard someone say Jackie. I don't maybe know. Maybe they're, got, maybe they're calling. I've got the, the, the credits up. That's okay. the reason I know. <laughs> I, I okay. would have no idea. Um, Irma, I was, that's not even close. <laughs> Irma and Jackie. But yeah, her. It was just funny. I was like, where, where did she go? Oh, he's just with Vicky. All right. Yeah, I assume All right. they, just, they got divorced and whatever. And, you know. <laughs> but wasn't she Actually, also. Um, Amanda made a comment. My wife made a comment on that at one point where, because like when, he, when Jake first brings uh, Vicky back to the house and she goes, oh, I think she's still out shopping or something. And then like they just kept getting together. And like Amanda's like, where's his wife? He's like, probably still shopping. Oh, that's right. She did say that. Okay, so there was a brief moment, maybe. Okay. Yeah. So Amanda's like, "Where's she at?" And I was probably still shopping. Probably still shopping. She's not coming back. Uh, but it was gr- okay. So how old is uh, I almost said Pacino? How old is De Niro's character supposed to be in this? Because Vicky was fifteen, and I'm like, "That's gross. That is a minor. Like, how old is?" But they they met each other in 1941, correct? Uh, like 1941 is when they met. Yeah. So he I was, know he court. So Jake LaMotta was born in 1922. So he was 40. He's not 41. He was, tw- he was 19. Oh, okay. Okay. 19 so it's and still, okay. it's still, still kind of gross. It's still it's, gross, but especially cause he's not De- like 40. Okay. Cause De Niro was 37 in real life and she yeah. was 20 in real life. And even that's kind of, that's kind of icky. I'm like, that's 27 years apart. Okay, so he was at least supposed to be, be playing a teenager. Okay. Yeah. Because I'm like, dude, 15. I was like, if you're in your 20s, man, this is really weird. Okay, just glad I got that straight because I had Kat- I had no idea. Kathy Moriarty was just like, I, I definitely see why Scorsese cast her. So one, mm. I've, I've always liked Kathy Moriarty, but this was like the first movie that she was, this was the first movie she was ever in. Oh, um, really? She got the role because Joe Pesci, who was just about to retire from acting because Joe Pesci was actually a child actor. Um, oh, what? And I, I want to see like a young Joe Pesci, like, you know, like, hey, Monka has some cookies or some shit. Th- like yeah, that. this was the youngest I've seen all these actors De Niro, um, fucking Pesci. I don't think I've seen them in anything beyond 80 because Casino wasn't until like. Yeah. So 90? this is like Joe Pesci's first big role. And actually really? to the point to the point where like I think like 
Robert De Niro saw him in some like shitty B movie, and it was like, <laughs> hey, there's some, this movie, this there's something about this Pesci guy. Um, and I think like producers actually gave them, like, we're like, I don't know if you should be casting no name actors. Um, <laughs> and then it he worked just out blew, because yeah. both Pesci and Moriarty <laughs> were nominated for Oscars. So. Oh wow, for Raging Bull. Um, yeah. Uh, wow. For this movie. Um, wow. And I can definitely see why Scorsese cast Moriarty. Like she just, she kind of steals every scene she's in mm-hmm. with very little, you know. She like very little like, um, just a just a couple glances and the way that she carries herself. I, I, I find her to be just a very fierce woman, honestly. You know, she's very. She she holds up you know she stands up for herself, one hundred percent. And um, I just I just felt like the way that she interacted in the with Lamada in these scenes I thought was incredible. Yeah, I mean everybody in this really to me was really given a solid performance. I didn't I didn't really find like a wink uh, or, or weak leak in the chain. You know what I mean? Like they were all just giving a very very good performance. Every single actor on screen. Uh, yeah. Pesci was great. I love Pesci's interactions with De Niro. I thought they were very good. Of course, they went on to do many more things together. Um, but yeah, everybody on screen gave it their all. Frank Vincent as well. He was fantastic. Who played? Uh, who was Tommy? Oh, here we go. Nicholas Colasanto. Tommy Como. I thought I had seen him in other things, but going through his besides like maybe Cheers. I don't really recognize anything he's done, but he he had a familiar face, but I might have just been confusing him with someone else. It very well could be. Yeah, he did have a really familiar face. Like I, I kept feeling like I know this guy from something. Oh, sorry. I'm thinking of Frank Vincent. That's the guy I know. Sopranos, Casino, Goodfellas. That's the guy I know. Gotcha. Frank Vincent. He played Salvi in Raging Bull. Okay. Yeah, Frank Vincent I definitely knew. I couldn't think of at the moment where I knew him from. He's in all those, you know, gangster Italian movies. <laughs> gangster Italian movies. <laughs> so, what about, besides De Niro's character, was there anything else that you weren't, like, vibing with necessarily in this film? I'm just kind of curious. Oh, I, I, I mean, you know, I know, like I said, I know it's a biopic, and I know this is who he was. I just do not like when men talk to women that way and when they hit like hitting women, it really just puts me off. I don't like it. Um, I'm just, a, I'm like an advocate for, you know, making sure we respect women and stuff like that. So uh, seeing that in movies um, when it's not really relevant to the plot, although technically it kind of was cause that's who he was as a person. Uh, but yeah, I'm just not, I'm not for violence against women on screen, hitting them and, you know, talking down to them. Cause even Pesci too, his character was just very rude to his wife. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I'm just I, that's, that's something I'm not a fan of. And there's a lot of that in this movie. So you do have to know that going in. It's, but, it's interesting, too, because like you, you get a lot of that in Scorsese's films, especially his his gangster films. Um, and it, Scorsese often says that, you know, say something like Raging Bull. He has no he had no knowledge of who Jake LaMotta was going into this film. Um, but he had a. Um, um, he didn't know the world of boxing, but he knew the world around it is the way he described it. Okay. Um, meaning like he didn't know any of what, like what the stories of any of these people, 
uh, but he knew the types of people because he grew up in neighborhoods like this. And that's just really funny to me because whenever you hear Martin Scorsese talk about his his life as a kid, he often talks about how he was, um, you know, a really sickly child. And I just can't imagine, like, he was Martin Scorsese just the mascot or something? Because <laughs> he doesn't <laughs> seem like man? these people, but he said he grew up with these types of people. Okay. So some of that was the – it's just interesting that he is so fascinated by this world um, – I almost wonder if, like, you know, not necessarily the misogyny aspect of it, but, like, did he want to be in this world? Did he want to be these guys? Yeah, I mean, that's another thing to consider, too. I mean, was so he was he born in New York and from that area? Is that is that why he knows people like that? Yeah, he, he grew up okay. in the Bronx. Uh, oh. He grew up in New York. And... Okay. Okay, so then that might just be a product of his environment and why it might be in some of his movies, you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know. Yeah. That's definitely something to consider. Uh, so, yeah, it's probably just a product of the environment, product of the time, if that seems to be a consistent thing in Scorsese's work. I honestly don't – I don't think I've seen much of his work, to be quite honest, besides the big ones like Goodfellas. What else has he done? Let's he's, see here. He's done a lot of stuff. Done a lot of stuff. See, I still need to see Taxi Driver. I still haven't seen that. And everyone keeps comparing uh, the new Joker to Taxi Driver, so uh, I don't want to know what that means. So I definitely need to see that. Um, oh my God, he has done away. Okay, I've seen Wolf of Wall Street. I didn't know he did that one. And okay, Shutter Island. Damn, that was a Scorsese too. Yeah. Okay. That was. I've, I've been. It, I've it, seen more than I thought. <laughs> it it always throws people. Okay. Uh, but yeah, that was definitely one of Scorsese's, uh, Scorsese's films. Okay, Cape Fear I've seen. All right, Casino, Goodfellas. Okay. Wait, there's a... Oh, The Last Temptation of Christ. I, I thought that said Passion of the Christ from 1980. <laughs> I was like, was Passion of the Christ a remake? No, Last Temptation of Christ. Okay, so apparently I've seen more, uh, more movies than I thought, but this is his earliest film that I've seen. From 1980. I, really, I so. would really be intrigued to see what you'd have to say about Taxi Driver, only because, you know, and I'm, like I said, I'm not like poking fun or anything, but the, the issue you had with this film was the fact that Jake LaMotta mm -hmm. was not a very good person. He's not <laughs> right. a very good, uh, uh, he was not a very good character. Uh, he's weirdly, he, I, I described it as a train wreck at the beginning of this film because it's like he, it's, he, is captivating to watch even though you can i through most of the film through all the film i was like i fucking hate this guy he yeah. never had his save the cat moment where like oh maybe there's a shred of decency to him no he's just a piece of shit there was only like a couple times where he kind of won me over and it was when he was at the table with everyone and he was just kind of sh like ragging on them and shitting on them i was like ah this guy's kind of funny and then he just went right back to being an asshole so i was like there was like two or three moments where i was like oh maybe no 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 he's, he's just complete asshole no redeeming qualities. <laughs> so I and like, and through a good portion of the career that, you know, working together that Scorsese and De Niro have had, De Niro has played a lot of shitty characters. Um, <laughs> but I'd be curious to see what you think of Taxi Driver because I'm, I'm not going to lie. He is a shitty person in that. In that one too. But he's a shitty person who thinks he's doing the right thing. So there's this weird, like moral compass dilemma mm, in there okay. where he is a bad person. He's a bad, like he's a bad person who thinks he's trying to do the right thing. 
Well, good news is is that it's on HBO Max, and it was funny enough because I was gonna check out since I watched Us Scorsese today. I was gonna check out another one tonight. So I will probably end up watching this tonight just so I can have Scorsese fresh in my mind and know kind of his vibe and go into this one with a better understanding. Obviously, I don't think Taxi Driver is a biopic. Correct it's me if I'm wrong. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah. Well, I, well okay. Well, Here, a char- a little, character a, study, maybe? We are not talking about Taxi Driver, but I will give you a little information. We're talking okay. about all things to do with Scorsese. Okay. Um, so... Directed by Martin Scorsese, obviously 1976, written by Paul Schrader, who also did re- write, uh, rewrites on Raging Bull. Mm. Uh, Paul Schrader says that he loosely based Taxi Driver off of his life. Meaning, okay. when um, there was a period of time where Paul Schrader was struggling with his own mental health. Mm-hmm. and living in new york and that he said he he would just drive around at night in the city of new york and just have all these really just dark brooding thoughts he said he never end up becoming anything like he never went and like killed anyone and did shit like that but you know he did say you know he would um uh like I said he, he was battling insomnia Oh, and he okay. would frequent like pornographic movie theaters, which the character in Taxi Driver goes to, because they were open all night. And he was just found himself in this really weird like fever dream half the time. Hmm. So he he said he was trying to relate his experiences of being a very unhappy person, uh, and put that into a script. Okay, so, so yeah, it's just kind of like inspired, <laughs> yeah, kind of just like inspired by things. So it just sounds like he has very, very intrusive thoughts that he has to fight off. Yeah, pretty much. Okay, pretty okay, much. okay. Well, I'm gonna check that because that's only it's barely even two hours. So I think I'm gonna check that one out tonight. So you'll get my full review. Perfect. Probably in the morning. <laughs> so with 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 Raging Bull, I like I said I've. I, I found myself really gravitating towards boxing movies over the last couple years. Okay. Uh, obviously, Rocky is one of my favorite movies of all time. I love Rocky. Um, <clears throat> and um, uh, very recently, I have uh, I saw uh, Requiem for a Heavyweight, which was a movie that Bill Creek just put out hmm. that okay. predates all of these movies by quite a bit. Um and just like the more and more I delve into the world of boxing movies, there's something about them that I appreciate. I don't even like boxing that much. <laughs> I don't dislike it. Right. You know, I just don't watch it. Um, I, I, I'm a pro wrestling guy. <laughs> okay. Um, but there's something about these movies that I find really fascinating. Have you seen, speaking uh, on the topic of just boxing movies, I don't know if this is, I don't think this is necessarily a boxing movie, but uh, Fighting With My Family with Florence Pugh and Yeah, I saw that. Okay. Based, about the, based on the real wrestler Paige. Yeah, yeah, okay. So, I did, yeah, I think that's more wrestling, but I was just going to say, if you hadn't seen that, I would highly suggest that. That was a shockingly good one that Gabby recommended out of nowhere, and I was like, oh, I need to tell people about this because I don't, I've, I had never heard of it up until that point, so I just figured I would ask if you had seen that, but... So what have you been watching re- recently besides like Rocky and Requiem for a Heavyweight? Uh, for boxing movies, I actually haven't watched a whole lot of them recently. Um, it just every time I, I I end up picking up one, I, I find myself really enjoying it. Like I, okay. 
I uh, funny enough, I don't own the first Creed, even though I love that movie. But I bought Creed two because I found it for five bucks, and I thought I'm eventually oh. gonna, gonna own Creed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, like I remember, I saw the Fighter back when it came out, and I thought that was a really good movie. I liked, um, um, I liked um, Million Dollar Baby quite a bit. Um, okay. Like I said, all the Rocky movies, I'm a, I'm, I'm a sucker for. So I just, I was actually at Best Buy today, and I happened to see Rocky two, three, and four in Steelbook, and I was like, nice. <laughs> I guess they're putting that's perfect Steelbooks. because I actually uh, only own Rocky one. <laughs> that would have been great. They're only like uh, twenty bucks or something like that. I'd be, were... Have you seen Rocky? I have not seen Rocky. No, oh, that's another so one on my shame that list. That is one that I would love to hear your thoughts on because if your problem with Raging Bull is is Jake LaMotta as a character and how he's just not a very good person, yeah, Rocky I think is one of the more most interesting characters ever put to screen, and I think okay. it has it's a nearly perfect screenplay if you can believe it, written by by Sylvester Stallone. He wrote it. Yeah. Oh my god, I he, had no idea. He was a struggling actor who could not find. Uh, roles for himself outside of just playing the heavy oh, wow. and he wanted something better so he wrote he um he wrote it ba- very loosely based on the life of the the boxer rocky marciano wow. um, and wrote it for himself that's awesome and Directed it's, it's by legitimately Jim. one of i think one of the best written screenplays okay wow oh from the same uh, director who did karate kid okay yeah nice and Nice. My good buddy Lloyd Kaufman worked on that movie. On Rocky? Yeah. <clears throat> if oh you my go God. back and if you go back and listen to my episode on Rocky, okay. I, I interview Lloyd at the end of it for like forty minutes where he's just talking about Rocky. Nice. Alrighty. Very nice. I'm just gonna go down a rabbit hole of just boxing movies now. I can I can see it now. It's gonna be my life for the foreseeable future. I'm gonna it's, seek it's, out all is these. Isn't it weird? Like sometimes the sports films, like I I like movies about sports more than I like sports. Yeah, I'm not except for hockey. Like I'll watch hockey all oh, day. Oh, I love but, hockey. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, yeah, but, yeah um, there's not a whole lot of good hockey movies. There's, there's not really a lot not. Of, there's not a lot of hockey um, movies. But Goon like, is the only one I can think of. Goon's great. Uh, Slapshot yeah. is great. Uh, okay, and like them, you know, D two Mighty Ducks. But those are like kids' movies, you know. The first Mighty Ducks movie is a legitimately good movie, though. Yeah, yeah. The first one, yeah. First one. Slapshot really is always the best movie about hockey, in my personal opinion. I think I've seen that, but it's been ages. Um, but like baseball, baseball, like I, I don't enjoy watching, but I like the movies. And weirdly enough, I like the video games. I just don't like watching baseball. Yeah, same. I'm the same way. <coughs> so you, you um, said you had some notes for for Raging Bull. What 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 haven't we touched on yet? Oh, let's see here. So I, t- I mean, I take a lot of notes, but I was a fan of how they told the story. Um, because you know you're introduced to I didn't even realize it was Jake LaMotta uh, it's just De Niro with some makeup on um, but you're introduced to him and then you his follow his fucking him. nose man yeah, I know I was like is this De Niro oh, very... Amanda had the same problem she's like she's like, where's Robert De Niro in this movie he's like that's him she's like that's, that's not him. Robert De Niro yeah, and it wasn't until him. like some of the boxing scenes that she saw it but like yeah yeah that's that's De Niro so you know the narrative storytelling I like you know you follow him from his first fight from 1941 and then you follow him all through these fights and it tells you like detroit 1943 i think he goes all the way to 1962 
Yeah, uh, it goes, for my notes, it goes all the way to 49, 50, 56, The last the one I have is 58, but I think the very last thing that's shown is like 62. So yeah, you follow him for like 20 years, and I did enjoy that storytelling aspect He looks terrible for 40-something. Uh, yeah, he does. <laughs> he really does, because he gets beat up. Uh, I mean, he usually, you know, he wins most of his fights, but there's a few where he, like that one where he was just like letting him beat him up, and he's like, "Hey, I never went down. I never went down." Like, yeah, you look like shit though. Look at your face. <laughs> yeah. You're 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 all puffy, man. It was him and Robinson, because him and Robinson fought like he did you know, he five did or that. six they, times. They, they 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 only touched on it a little bit, but he did that to get a title shot. Oh, okay, yeah. He's pretty much showing that he can play ball with the mafia. Yeah, because at one point, yeah, him and you know, there's that great scene um, where where him and him and Joey are talking. He goes, "Put your hands up. Pretend like you're gonna hit me." And then he fucking falls down. How hard is that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's like I do. Gotta fall over. He's like, yeah, because he was trying to fight that guy that was very bad, very bad. He's like, come on. He's like, hit me, hit me. And they knew he was throwing it. Yeah, so it's it's it was the narrative was very nice. I enjoy a very detailed, you know, like this happened this date, and then there's that really fun montage that they have where it's like him just fighting a whole bunch of people. Oh my god, just, there's yeah. there was this one moment in that montage where, like, it's it's like showing like one of his opponents beating him up, and then like the camera pans and then it pans back, and then it's a different opponent and he's fighting yeah. him, and it's like so fucking seamless. Yeah, that was a really fun little uh, montage, and then you, you see them get married in that montage. And oh, then, and, uh, and we didn't even talk about it, but like when they would cut to color, the only time they ever cut to color was for those those um um like home movie sequences. Oh yeah, that was the only time it was in color. I just realized that. Yeah, that little montage where they were filming each other at the car and making goofy faces and stuff. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, so, you like, you follow him for, like, a few years, and then, like, 1947, you know, nobody wants to fight him. Everybody's afraid of him. Uh, and then he fights the new kid, you know, Janeiro or whatever, and then he beats the absolute shit out of him. And it's just a, it's a very interesting story about how he finally goes to get his title, um, which takes him a lot of work. But I just really love how the story was told. Yeah. And, um, it's It's also know. interesting, too, because I, I alluded to it earlier, but, like, it's the boxing sequences are almost like an accompaniment to what's going on in his life. So yeah. like when he gets the absolute worst of, um, you know, one of his worst moments of, of being jealous when just because his wife said a guy's attractive. Yeah. She doesn't even know who he is. She was yeah, like, hey, she just, you know, head. she's just using young attractive, like as being like a popular guy. Yeah. Um, and then it just mark. cuts to him beating the living fuck out of that guy. Yeah. You know, it's, it's the, the fighting scenes are an accompaniment to what's going on in his life. And I don't want to say he takes all of his anger out in there. Cause he takes a lot of anger out of people when he's not in the yeah. boxing ring, yeah. but he, he channels it. So did, uh, <laughs> Did she really fess up to like doing all those guys, or was she just saying that? I think to she's, rile just, him? she's saying that because that's the only thing he wants to hear. Okay. Because saying okay. she didn't do it didn't mean anything. So yeah. at one point, she's just saying shit. Get away! Open the door. No. Why'd you do it? Why'd you do it? Huh? Why'd you? Do I didn't it? do it. Why'd you do it? Why'd you do it? Why'd you do it? Why did you fuck them? Do what? Why I didn't do anything. Them? I fucked all of them! What do you want me to say? What do you mean you fucked? Who'd you fuck? I fucked all of them, Tommy, Salvi, your brother, all of them. I sucked your brother's cock. What do you want me to say? You 
sucked his cock. Yeah, I sucked his cock and everybody else on the fucking street, too. What do you want? You're nothing but a fat pig, selfish fool. His fucking cock's bigger than yours, too! Yeah, I was like, because she was like, I, I fucked your brother and his dick was bigger than yours. And I was just like, really? <laughs> and then so, I felt so bad. Joe Pesci's <laughs> just sitting there having dinner with his kids. He just gets tackled. He gets the shit beat out of him. <laughs> Head through the glass. Everyone's like, calm down. He's just bat pummeling him. I was like, oh my god, poor Joe Pesci, man. He didn't do anything. He got blindsided. Poor He's little guy. He's just trying to fucking enjoy his like beef stroganoff or whatever the fuck they're eating. I don't even know. Oh, <laughs> uh, it's so funny. You just you see De Niro going out his door. It's like, where are you going? It's like, I know where he's going. He's going to beat the shit out of Joey. And boy, did he. Uh, I, I love how like so much of the dialogue in this movie is just, you fuck my wife. <laughs> so much of it he's like what do you want me to say i'm not answering that and it was funny because i was like that's kind of uh it's kind of more suspicious than that's just saying what, no that's what i said but then amanda's <laughs> like, like it's like i amanda's like i see why he's not saying anything because it's like it's it's kind of fucked up for him to even suggest that it's kind of yeah it's kind of messed up to be to be suggesting that because she hasn't done anything and she even even when he was like grilling her when he was when she was talking to Tommy when they were in that restaurant when they were both there she told him exactly everything that she did and he still didn't believe it and I'm like man he's got some real jealousy and issues it's, it's it's interesting too because the character of Vicky you know she's like you know she's 15 when she met uh, Jake right didn't have much uh, of a life like before him i met you know she's 15 she's fucking still yeah. in high school right you know went straight pretty much maybe was with him for maybe like a year or two before they got married i don't know what how, how old they were but then she went straight from being in high school to being a fucking mother yeah because eventually and they had three kids here's the thing i don't think she was up to anything but she is friends with these mafia dudes she's a tough yeah. woman she's tough yeah and she um, knows these dudes, and if she wanted to, they probably could have done something about Jake. Um, though, uh, Kathy Moore already said something really interesting. I was watching on the Criterion disc, they had like a making of thing. Oop, what button I hit? Uh, <laughs> I was watching like a making of thing for um, Raging Bull. Mm -hmm. And she said it was really tough for her because um, so many of the like the people who wrote the film and everything, they they Jake was legitimately on the set for this movie so oh. he's um you know he, he he was like their consultant he was there talking them through things and I, I think that's kind of an interesting aspect to it um a lot he said one of the one of the early screenwriters met with the real vicky lamada and got a lot of stories from her and he's like not necessarily like salacious things that went into the film but you know a lot of like character pieces that really helped them build who the character of jake and vicky are oh wow uh but what Ka kathy moriarty said it was really ha hard for her she said she really wanted to sit down and talk with vicky yeah but she didn't want to only because scorsese kept saying throughout the making of this film that the, they are viewing vicky through jake's lens right so she didn't want to have too much knowledge of what vicky was thinking and what who she was as a person because mm. it's not from that perspective so she said okay. she really just wanted to sit down with her and, and and have a conversation with her but never was able to Dang. but there is an actually interesting document uh, uh an interview on there where kathy moriarty and vicky lamada are being interviewed together oh okay so that's kind of cool so at least they do get to 
talk at some point about something. Yeah. It's like, you did a shit job, woman. <laughs> I'm not like that at all. Well, see, and I didn't know that either. So that kind of makes me uh, able to appreciate the movie just a little bit more, knowing the fact that, you know, the real people are there, you know, yeah, and kind it's, of it's guiding. Inter- and it's also so. knowing that, you know, Scorsese's really just viewing the character of Vicky through Jake's eyes explains why there's not more of her if that makes sense you know like she is just being treated like an object because that's how he views these people he jake lamada views you know women as these like like angelic creatures until they've had sex and then after they've had sex he assumes that's all that they're just gonna go fuck around on him right that's the he's a really paranoid person yeah, and I guess, I guess I didn't really, and this is why I love talking about movies and, you know, being able to see other people's perspectives is I didn't even see that or notice that until you just kind of mentioned that. He's really just projecting all of his own insecurities onto someone else yep. and then, not, like, blaming them for doing things that they're not. So it is very, it's almost like a character study on mm-hmm. this guy as well. You learn a lot about him, and he really doesn't have a character arc. You know, you don't like him it's, by the end of the movie. No, and it's interesting. <laughs> like, he is a a, a very rich three-dimensional character he just happens to be a piece of shit as well <laughs> right so it's it's like great you're you're telling me so much about this guy that i don't even like but at the same time it is very interesting to know so much about him and, and, and i think we also watch yeah. hoping that there will be like a shred of decency and he never quite get it yeah no you're right i mean I, you know halfway through him I'm, so I'm like okay maybe there'll be this character arc where get to the end of the movie and you're like yeah you've been a shitbag but you've recognized that and you can try to make amends and stuff like that you don't get that uh but i mean yes you do hope for that so this movie definitely conveys a lot of emotions you know or at least i i had a lot of emotions watching it like i was angry sometimes i was happy i was having fun i was i was hopeful so definitely you go through some emotions (laughs) watching this movie for sure (laughs) you know it invokes feeling that's that's definitely for sure definitely so do you have anything else on your on your your list of notes? Oh no, I just I write things down in chronological order just in case we talk <laughs> about anything specific. Um, uh, not really. Um, besides, uh, oh, there was one thing. Okay, there's there was one thing I liked about the fight in Detroit, uh, 1950. It was Lamada versus, oh god, I think he was the German guy, and uh, he was playing possum with the guy for a minute, yeah. kind of just letting him beat him up. And then he just completely turns around yep. and pummels the, like, that was, oh, Thrill House moment, too. Thrill House moment. Real quick. Um, I know you, I know that we do that here. So it was when he was kicking the shit out of Janeiro. But then that got superseded by Joe Pesci's scene when he goes to get Vicky from that restaurant. And she's like, he's like, we're leaving. And then she's, she's like, no, he's like, no, we're getting the fuck out of here. And then he's just like spills water on someone. Beating and just the starts- fuck out of that guy. <laughs> and then he goes outside. He's smashing the guy's like head in the door. I was like, whoa, Pesci. That was my, whoa, I was Pesci. like, ooh, yeah, I'm into this. I'm like, I'm, I'm ready for more. Pesci going absolutely feral on these people. <laughs> Gotta love Pesci. So yeah. Um, other than that, yeah. I mean, I I, I definitely enjoyed it more. Uh, like I said, once I knew it was the uh, biopic uh, movie, but I do I do want to rewatch it with that lens. But I'd say overall, it was definitely a very well done, very well crafted movie with uh, fantastic cast and great job acting. So for me, um, I feel like 
I might have had a similar thrill house moment. Like I was okay. I, I kind of had two of them. Um, yeah. You know, I had like my partial thrill house moment. You know, when you start off with um, you know those that really beautifully lit shot of uh, of Jake during the credits of him just kind of like shadow boxing in the ring, and you, you get the credits and everything, and that you know tranquil that tranquil moment is disrupted with him just getting pummeled in the fucking face, and I was like, <laughs> yeah. oh, that is just a brilliant piece of cut- cutting. Um, yeah. But then I also like I said I I loved that that moment too that you were talking about where you know hit his jealousy into the fight with Janeiro, but then like I think some of like just one of the best like acted scenes for me is um the the I guess the final fight between Jake and Joey when he's like fixing that television. Oh, and yeah. they're both just so good in that scene, and mm-hmm. it's almost like they're they're having almost a boxing match with their words. Hey, Joe, what happened when you and Salve at the Copa that time? What? When you gave him a beat. You mean when I caught his head in the taxi cab door, I was banging it, smacked him with a glass and everything? Yeah. I told you about that. Huh? No. I never told you? No, you never told me. That was no big thing anyway. I smacked him in the mouth. He was drunk. He started some shit. Had to go downtown, straighten it all out with Tom. He's all forgotten about, supposedly, anyway. How come you never told me about it? What didn't have anything to do with you? Had nothing to do with me? No. Who'd have something to do with? Vicky? Hey, Jack. I just explained the whole thing to you, didn't I? Yeah. It was between me and Salvi. If it had anything to do with you and Vicky, I would have told you about it. That's not what I heard, Joe. What do you mean, that's not what you heard? That's not what I heard. What'd you hear? I heard some things. You heard about me and Salvi? Then, I heard you? things, Joey. Yeah, you heard that I cracked Salvi all around. What'd you things, hear? Joey. I heard things. What things you heard? I heard some things. Hey, you heard things. You want to worry? Don't start that worrying shit. You know what you should worry about? Worry you got this title fight next month. That's what you should worry about. Do that. Yeah. No, that was a great scene, too. There's a lot of great scenes with dialogue that really just pull you in, and that was definitely one for me as well. I can totally agree with that. Yeah, so I I I think this movie is incredible. I I think it's just gonna grow on me the more I see it. Will it dethrone Rocky? I don't know. Rocky's just uh. <laughs> fucking incredible. But right. Um, yeah. I I'm also glad I finally saw this movie too because it was not at all the like it's it wasn't the movie I was expecting it to be, and I'm glad it wasn't. You know, because like yeah. I said, I've seen so many boxing movies, I know kind of how these play out, and some, and I just, I, I just really appreciate the way that this story was told. I appreciate that Jake Lamotta was not a good person, because it, it just it added a different element to. Because like usually, what they try to do in these movies is like you have this big brute who has got a heart of gold. He doesn't. He, he doesn't. Is he does just not. purely a piece of shit. <laughs> It is something different to see because, yeah, usually the guy you're watching, you're rooting for, you're like, I like this guy. This guy, you're like, I fucking hate this guy. <laughs> it's like, this guy is worthless. What the heck? What am I following him for? But, yeah. It's, the best it's, thing about this character is he's got that really killer uh, leopard print robe. Yeah, he does. <laughs> Every time he had that robe, I was like, fuck, yeah, that's a, that's like, a that's look. A, that is 80s right there, baby. Oh, man. Uh, so what would you, did you rate it on the letterbox? I gave it four. I yeah, gave it that's four where and I'm a at. heart. 
Yeah, four and a heart. That's where that's where I'm at. I told Ga- I told Gabby, I was like, I'm gonna give it a half an extra star on top of what I was gonna give it. Now that I know it's a biopic, so I was gonna give it a three and a half, and I was like, I'll give it a four. And it's I it's, it's also one of those that. movies. It's like I've seen movies like this, not necessarily that. Like I can't argue that it's a well-made movie. Right. Yeah, that's where I'm at. Like, it's, yeah, like I cannot I, argue that it's made bad, like poorly. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I've seen those movies. Like you know, you're really well made. You're just not gonna get the heart. <laughs> Yeah, no, I've done that before, too. Do you know why, uh, before we wrap up here, that he chose to do black and white? I mean, it was 80s. It's not like that uh, was... He chose that to separate themselves from a lot of them. Because he said at the that, time, yeah. there was a, quite a few other boxing movies coming out. Okay. And he just thought it would help separate them a little bit. And Well, and, and it is set in the like the 40s primarily. So, mm-hmm. I mean, that would be fitting for the 40s. I mean, I know they it's, had color. It's but, really, you know. th- it throws because even the way that Michael Chapman lit this film, it, it's lit like an older film mm-hmm. than it realistically is. And like if it wasn't for the cast, I would assume this movie's a lot older. Yeah, it's, no, same. It's like, same. it's like the movie Psycho, for example. Psycho came out in 1960. Mm-hmm. Every film that came out that year, other than Psycho, not in, okay, I should say not including low budget films. Every big budget film that came out that year was in color, right? So like I, some, I always yeah. feel like Psycho is a lot older than it is until I look at the year. I'm like, wait, what? Yeah, 1960. That, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. So yeah. sometimes it's, okay. it's, it's a creative choice, and no, yeah, definitely worked. Uh, I can't worked picture here. Raging Bull in color. Well, it's weird because the freaking the letterbox has it's very confusing because you pull up Raging Bull and there's a picture of him right here in color. So I thought the movie was going to be in color. And then because, you know, down here. Yeah, it's very weird. It's very misleading. So I'm like, what the I'm like, what the hell? But, you know, the the cover art's black and white. But I was like, whatever, that might not be accurate. So I turned it on. It's black and white. I'm like, oh, okay, that's fine. You know, I don't mind. What's interesting, too. I don't think the movie had a proper score. Had a proper score, meaning like it had music in it, but it was, it was like there was like um, some um, oh um, yeah um, classical music that was playing played throughout the movie, but it didn't have a composer. It didn't have I don't music that yeah. was composed for the movie, and like I said, there was definitely music in it, but it wasn't like overpowering. And I, I honestly didn't feel like I missed it. No, I didn't even it, really it, <laughs> didn't even notice until you said that i was like you're right it's there like when you like, like the first time that you see like no country for old men and realize oh fuck this movie does not have a score yeah i'm gonna have to rewatch that now because I, I think didn't it's got some sound that. design that can like <laughs> fill in for score at times maybe some like ominous tones but like it yeah doesn't but have that's a not score. yeah that's not a score that's not the same thing all right, so all right. I think this is the first. Uh, I think this is the first time we've had exactly the same rating. I know usually we're close, but I think this is the first time uh, to both. Get yeah, it's a four. we're usually within like we're usually within a star of each other. Yeah, yeah. So it's nice. Okay, so it's nice to see we both enjoyed it. And yeah, I I could see this going up upon you know more watches. I could easily see this at a four or five uh, if I if I gave it a few more watches and really started to dissect it a little bit more but I, definitely a definitely a recommendation i think I it's i think it's anybody. uh since uh, unfortunately uh, at least for the time being nick is not with us um i'm gonna have to change the way that shameless approved works so i think if, okay. if me and the co co-hosts of the day both agree on it it's shameless approved shameless approved raging bull. all right shameless like approved it. 
I would, yeah, I, this is definitely one I would like to hear at some point. We'll have to make Nick watch and share his thoughts with us. Yeah. I would love to, to hear, you know, his, his hot take because he's always got he's a hot got take. He's got the best hot takes. He's got the best hot takes. Every time he's like, I got a hot take, I'm like, oh, let me strap like, yeah, in. I got to be ready. Get ready for it. <laughs> I got to be ready for this. <laughs> but no, like, it's, it's, I, and like, I, it's, this is one of those, it's, it's whatever the movie equivalent of an earworm is is how this movie feels because like i kind of just watched it a couple days ago but like i've been thinking about it since uh, and like i want to there's like three commentary tracks on 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 the criterion i want to watch them all oh wow oh uh, so there's th- there's three different people oh doing well three. i'll tell you I've i was gonna got say it in, <laughs> i've got it here with me the commentary tracks include Raging Bull. Nice. Yep, that's a good good cover. Oh, right. Three audio commentaries featuring Scorsese and editor Thelma Schoonmonker. That's probably going to okay. be the first one I watch. Oh, yeah. Um, director of photography Michael Chapman, producers Robert Chartoff and Erwin Winkler, along with casting director Sis Corman, music consultant Robert, Robbie Robertson, and others. <laughs> Wow. I have a feeling that one's going to be like one of those Frankenstein commentaries where they have a bunch of single <laughs> interviews that they've just put together. I don't know, but that's a lot of people <laughs> and of people. others <laughs> and others. Oh my God. Yeah. That's a bit much. Uh, and All then the right, final, nice. the final one. And this one seems really fascinating. Boxer Jake LaMotta with screenwriters, Mardik Martin and Paul Schrader. That is definitely probably. Yeah. I would, I would be interested to hear that one. So wow, three different commentaries. Three different Criterion commentaries. really is just too good to us. Yeah, like like I have like I I already own a really nice version of Taxi Driver, but if they ever put it out, I buy it again. Buy it again. Yep, that's the problem I have too. I have some screen factories on Blu-rays. Like, hey, we're putting them out in 4K. I'm like, oh, fine, I'll upgrade to 4K. Guys are killing me. And then I'll I'll slide into your DMs, be like, what you selling them D- Blu-rays? Right. For? Yeah. <laughs> what can I take off your hands for very cheap? <laughs> Oh yeah, uh, Raging Bull definitely a good time. Worth checking out. So, was there anything else Absolutely. you wanted to say about Raging Bull before we sign off for the night? No, it's like it, it's gonna be a movie I think about for the next few days for sure, and uh, I will revisit. But uh, I, I'm really it's glad gonna be we interesting this. if you if you watch Taxi Driver tonight and just kind of see I how am. those blend because okay. like he did Taxi Driver, I think he did. Taxi New Driver York, was before this one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. New York, New York, and then Raging Bull. Yes, I think so. I am i don't remember. Here, I'm going to pull up his filmography because it's still like, and Taxi Driver was such a big hit for him. That's why I'm surprised uh, you were saying Raging Bull was his masterpiece. I was like, I thought it was Taxi Driver. Well, you but... know, it's, it's a lot of people kind of view it that way. Okay. Um, but no, he, he did Taxi Driver, New York, New York, and then Raging Bull. Okay, so there's only one in between. But yeah, this should be a very interesting uh, kind of double feature today. Plus, they're both rated almost similarly. Raging Bull 8-1, Taxi Driver 8-2. On, uh, and they both have four twos on Letterboxd, so very similarly rated. Hell yeah. All right. All yeah, right. That's all I have well, to say. That's Austin, it. thank you very much for coming on the podcast, even though, you know, technical difficulties aside and my mouse dying halfway through. And, <laughs> oh, no, you're fine. Thank you for having me. Uh, and if you guys let me know what you think of uh, Raging Bull. No one ever comments when I ask this shit, but, you know, I'm going to do it anyways. <laughs> um, Still going to do it. Tell me what you think of Raging Bull. Tell me what your favorite boxing movies are. Tell me which boxing movies I should see. 
Um, and uh, next week, we'll, we'll, I'll give you guys a little bit of preview of what's coming up since I actually did my due diligence and planned out <laughs> my schedule. Uh, Austin, you're, you're going to be back a couple times. Um, so next week, or not next week, eh, whenever, the, whenever the next episode comes out. The I, next episode, yeah. My recording schedule and my release schedule are two very different things. Yeah. The next episode I'm going to be recording, also from 1980, I'll be talking uh, with my friend Nico Aldrich about uh, William Freakin's Cruising. Ooh. And then after that, uh, Austin, you'll be back again with 2001 A Space Odyssey. Ooh, yes. After that, um, this was a request by my friend Mark Croftcheck, Mark the Movie Man. If you are on TikTok, he does one minute film reviews. I don't know how he keeps it under a minute, but he always does. <laughs> uh, he requested because he'd never seen it from 2011. Nicholas Winding Refn's Drive. Oh, very nice. And then I have a series of America movies. Uh, uh, we are going to be doing a double feature episode with my buddy Kyle Arpke. We're going to be talking about Top Gun and Top Gun Maverick because I've never seen either. Oh, of them. Oh, oh, oh. And then once, a- oh, you haven't seen either? Nope. <laughs> oh, okay. And then we'll after Ooh, that, I'm excited I'll for have that one. the uh, uh, Christopher Kai House, one of the co-founders of the Twisted Dreams Horror Festival here in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, to be talking about Sergio Leone's Once Upon a Time in America. So and then we get, we have more after that, but I want to Stellar tease a little bit. Up. And then on upcoming as well, we have um, the next episode of Cages the Rage coming up. Um, I was gonna start putting them just on Patreon after after the last episode, but this next one we're gonna be doing the Cotton Club. But we also might play around with the timeline a little bit and also talk about Renfield. So so I might just give that one out for free. <laughs> yeah. So tell us a little bit what's going on in the Fright Man's podcast. What's coming up, Austin? Oh boy, let's see. It is April this month. We are doing Diversity Month, so we are doing movies from all around the country, excluding America for obvious reasons. You mean all uh, around the world? Damn it, I did that last time. <laughs> <laughs> all around the world. All around the country, excluding All around America. the country. <laughs> That's Wait, all what? we need. No, I did, I did that on my episode. All around the world. Uh, so we've got a lot of good stuff coming up this week uh, or this month. Actually, you're going to be joining me for uh, an Italian slasher this Tenebrae, week, this week in two days. So that's going to be a lot of fun. And then we've got um, La Llorona from Guatemala. And then we are doing a bonus episode with my buddy Mikey because he is also Dutch, but we're doing Amsterdam. Okay. That's going to be a lot of fun. Um, so, yeah, come check us out. You can find us where all fine podcasts are sold on Apple Music and Google, whatever it is. Um, you can find us pretty much anywhere. Check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and the Slasher app at Frightmares Podcast. Also, That's check out doing. his TikTok. He does some good shit over on the TikToks. <laughs> Silver Dot Shamrock. Thank you. I do my best. I got to actually do my uh, new release Tuesday video here. All right. Well, after this. I'll let you get to that then. Uh, everyone, I appreciate you guys tuning into the Shameless Picture Show, especially as we've been going through some transitions. Uh, it's going to be a good time. Check out the Cinepunks Network for some other great podcasts, and uh, be sure to be here next time. Shame time, shame place, shameless picture show. I finally got it right. I love it so much. Shame time. <laughs> it's so good, though. The Shameless Picture Show is recorded in Milwaukee, Wisconsin and Easton, Maryland, and is hosted and produced by Nick Richards and Michael Viers. Today's episode was edited by Michael Viers. 
Our opening theme music was written especially for us by The Directionals, with narration by Zach McLean. The end credit music you're enjoying at the moment was generously provided by my friends in the band 10Speed. The shameless graphic design is masterfully done by Amanda Byers. An extra special thank you to all of our Patreon supporters and to our generous sponsors. We are on Spotify, Stitcher Radio, iTunes, Google Play, and Libsyn. You can find links for all these amazing people in the description below.